0: Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast. In your week in what? Sports cars, man. We're talking sports cars. Who do I have on the other line? Well, we know that too. It's the, the, all caps, 100 (laughs) point font. Graham Goodwin, editor of Daily Sports Car, talker of World Endurance Championship and European Le Mans and Asian Le Mans and all kinds of mans. Uh, it's my man, my co-pilot, and it's time to take your questions this week in an unstructured form. Ooh. Yeah, we'll just leave. We don't even need to go into uh, huh. to why or who to blame, but it's going to be an unstructured episode, which I tend to love. So, Graham, you won't have to be our official selector of categories because we ain't got none. We're just reading what's in front of us, as always brought to us by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers. Toronto Motorsports.com. So in the absence of you choosing which category we start with, mm. should I put to you the fine honor of choosing which question we start with or which social what? media platform we start with?
1: We're going to start with the questions we got on the Facebook platform on the Marshall Pruitt podcast page, which is one of the two places we always ask for questions every week. Uh, and this one comes from Buddy Campbell. And I think this one mainly for you, my friend, with uh, McLaren not committing or on the fence about as buddy, have they mentioned anything about GTD Pro in IMSA? Could we see a works or quasi works uh, McLaren in GTD in the near future?
0: Well, there's always the great question uh, opener, buddy, of could. Of course, could, anything. We could see Santa Claus racing in McLarens. We could see all kinds of things. Do we believe, though, Graham, that we will see McLaren engage a team, a factory effort of their own internally? Do we think McLaren will spend money to be present in GTD Pro when it launches next year? I say nine, no, and everything to the opposite of affirmative. So... We do know that they maintain a significant interest in LMDH. I have an interview I did with Zach Brown about this. Seriously, at least a month ago, if not more, I think someone else has put up a story about them looking for an engine partner. So uh, when I do finally get mine posted, I don't know, it might get zero reads, uh, which would be totally my fault. But, buddy, I don't foresee them engaging anyone, and I haven't heard of anyone coming to them. A privateer saying we want to be there will you support us tech support this that and the other i don't know if there's a manufacturer's fee affiliated with this graham with gtd pro in particular we know imsa does that on a series-wide basis with all manufacturers who want to participate but is there anything new special or otherwise with gtd pro that a mclaren might have to do in order to uh be there on their own or be there with a a customer program. I don't know, but buddy, I haven't heard a thing and it would surprise me at this point uh, if something were to come down that pipeline, at least for 2022, who knows what could happen afterwards, but they are not on my radar as a possibility to launch this new category.
1: I think it is fair to say though, that um, subject to what uh, you're going to reveal in that uh, interview, there've been a lot of reports of McLaren interest in hypercar slash lmdh in particular being rather more dead than i think either you or i believe is the case i think there is very serious interest in it there is a gap uh, that needs to be filled in that program and i'll let our listeners await uh, the update that you can give them from from quite literally the horse's mouth not that i'm calling him a horse
0: you just called zach brown a horse or did you say whore? I, I mean, again, no, pronunciation. No, 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 no. no was that. there a W-H no. to start that word, or just it an H? Wasn't. No, 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 okay. not at all. No. I'm just no. coming easy, from a easy. guy who spent his early years as a male stripper, you know. Uh, and you it's, come from a shady world, world. Goodwin. I never know who was there with you.
1: It's in my blood. What can I say? Uh, but no, I think uh, there's there's more to come on this one. It won't be immediate. They won't be in the first tranche of takers in that uh, in that class, but um, th- I think reports of the demise of interest would be very premature. All
0: right, let's go fun and, and obscure. Just, hey, let's open the show. For anyone listening for the very first time, it does get better than this. <laughs> a little bit, but just a little bit, okay? We're not going to lie. It, a fully structured one with all the questions dropped into whack. Uh, Asian Le Mans Series, ELMS, ACO, and then IMSA, and then General, and then Fun, like, it's a little better. But this is, you know, we're not far from the bottom where we usually are uh, recording here. But let's uh, let's go to Nick Smith. says, no question, just pointing out that I giggle each time you use Rocky, Rosie, and Oscar. The image of them on the uh, weekend sports cars. We have them uh, with us posing with a uh,
1: Peugeot
0: 908. H D I F A P Rocky and Rosie are cats. They're fighting, and there's a great scratch on my uh, cartoon cheek. And then you with your delightful dog Oscar. So I love I that to, image as well. You, um, I
1: have to tell you, I have to tell you, MP. Um, so Oscar's been away with his foster family while Trudy and I've been taking a bit of a break. And he's back and has been. Uh, he's had the legs walked off him, and I, he's actually in the uh, in the lounge with me at the moment. Asleep on the uh, on the rug, and he is um, dream running. So he's clearly having a very husky dream, uh, uh, a very happy doggy indeed. You won't hear much from him unless you hear the odd whimper in his uh, in his dreams at the moment. But foster uh, family. You oh, mean t- I could?
0: Uh, we could give our damn cats away to someone else for a little while to get a break. <laughs> well, no, that's the story, amazing.
1: The story is this, and in fact, we found something out about our dog just this week, which is he was uh, very sadly a somewhat abused uh, dog when oh. uh, when we took him on. And uh, the foster family, or the people we effectively adopted him from, they rescued him from their deadbeat neighbors. Um, and we found out um, this week that the deadbeat neighbors that abandoned this dog in a locked house were, and I'm not kidding, a gang of Brazilian drug dealers. So he is, he is um, yeah, I think they thought he was an attack dog, whereas actually the only thing he will actually ever attack is a bowl of chow. Well, I but guess we tough. also
0: just learned since you mentioned uh – uh, brazil that he was not the shop dog at vic lee motorsports back in the day no, so uh indeed. we figured but that part go. out well,
1: thank you thank you for that uh, i love that I, I must admit i do love that image too and um yes we uh, will see
0: all right so i'm going to throw this one at you this comes from otto kinzel the 19th he says regarding <laughs> josh pearson oh, how yeah. light right i said obscure we're just going hard last here how likely is it he actually competes at le mans next year From the outside, sure looks like he's lacking a huge amount of experience to make this massive jump, be able to compete, uh, to be competent and safe behind the wheel of a P2 car. Am I wrong to be concerned? Can either either of you provide any further insight uh, to behind-the-scenes discussions with Josh, the FIA and ACO? So he is, what, four years
1: old? (laughs) He's he's 15 years old um, and will turn 16 mid-February. Uh, so the, the potential first appearance of Josh in a P car uh, will be in the second half of the Asian Le Mans series in February of next year. And if the plan goes to conservation, Josh, uh, who's from the United States, uh, will form part of the full season effort in the WEC, a two car effort now confirmed for United Autosports. This really is a sack Brown show, isn't it? It is. Um, and uh, he will indeed be part of their squad for the uh, Le Mans 24 Hours. In terms of assuaging all those kind of fears, there is a significant test programme planned for Josh, who I think, and you may know a bit more than I do on this one, he is at the moment on the Road to Indy programme, and I can't remember exactly which junior formula he's taking part in, but he is racing in Formula cars. Uh, He is also testing with United Autosports and with a US-based P2 team as well. There is a very extensive uh, test program in place for this young man. Now, I can't kind of talk to his racing maturity. I can't tell you that I've actually watched that. I have, though, spent some time uh, talking to him and to his folks. Uh, He's a very mature 15 years old. I can tell you that in terms of his outlook uh, and his attitude. He's very serious about his racing. He is, his parents were with him, as you would expect at Le Mans uh, with a fifteen-year-old. But there was not a hint of carting dad syndrome. Um, I was introduced to them very briefly. Uh, was allowed then to have a uh, get a, a chat on the record, chat with son uh, and without the uh, mum and dad actually looking over shoulder to make sure all was well. He was trusted with that. I think this this guy is going to be fine. Um, it'll be interesting to see just exactly how things develop but when i consider the people who are involved in this program with him and by that i do mean the likes of zach brown and the likes of richard dean trust me whilst of course the commercial aspects of this deal are important to them they're not going to do anything they believe is in any way unsafe bear in mind as well through karting through some of the, the more junior formula uh, stuff that, the, uh, that these young men and women are allowed to do. They'll have had a lot of racing miles under their belts before they ever get aboard one of those cars. Yes, of course, we realise a P2 car is a very different kettle of fish. And indeed, the WEC is an extremely different kettle of fish. But by the time we get to that stage, I think you're going to find he's had a lot more mileage uh, in lmp 2 cars than very many people that race them regularly. Uh, so, I think there's a bit of hashtag wait and see uh, on this one, but the program is an extensive one. It does appear to have been thought through um, very carefully indeed. And I answer the last part of, uh, of Otto's uh, question, yes, I can tell you that uh, IMSA, FIA, and ACO have all been consulted about, uh, about this program. And as far as I'm, uh, I'm concerned, all is regarded to be well on that front as well.
0: The thing about having one of his United Autosport teammates sitting in the other seat uh, in the P2 car with a fully functional steering wheel and pedals, uh, (coughs) kind of like when you go and take your driver's test for the first time, that's the only part that I thought was a little bit over the top. But, uh, you know, again, he'll get there. They'll they'll take the training wheels off. He is, by the way, from uh, the fine, fine American state of Oregon, where I'll be there What tomorrow morning, I think. For oh, the rest wow. of the weekend, and yeah, he's competing on the first rung of the road to Indy USF two thousand. Which, while that is, it hasn't always been an American thing, but it's uh, mostly an American thing these days. Uh, probably one step below, say, British or European Formula Three, if we had to think of where okay. it might fit in terms of training and aptitude. So, okay. uh, it is a jump. It is a serious jump, but, uh, we've seen some others, uh, Garrett Grist, for example, you know, he's granted, I think he got to Indy lights before he started doing P2, uh, Wayne Boyd as well, I think comes to mind. Yep. So P3, P2. Yeah. Yep. So there's been a couple, you know, who've made, made it not through and past the road to Indy to indie car, but at least gotten to say mid tier at least before hanging a, uh, a turn towards sporty cars and prototypes.
1: Um. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting moment, isn't it, just to see what just how prepared the old man is. I think that will be an interesting moment indeed. One for you this time. Oh, it's from no. Stephen Ellis. I know, and he says, I know a lot of people are hoping with LMP2 becoming its own class a few years ago, there would be, and I think this is in relation obviously to IMSA, there would be more overlap with teams running both the WEC and IMSA, or maybe he was just being hopeful, Sir so Stephen. Do you envision the LMDH, LMH teams only crossing over big events, with LMH potentially coming to Daytona, Sebring, etc., instead of running more dual schedules if timing, and for that matter, he doesn't add it, but I will budget allows how do you see this of these opportunities coming uh marshall for teams with the opportunity to cherry pick
0: i think the factory side with lmdh slash lmh will sort itself out um so and i know that's not so much the heart of the question but just in a general sense you know they those factories are going to compete uh, domestically or internationally, as however fits their marketing needs and budgets available. So we know that part. I'd say the the bigger aspect here that I think is also going to answer itself, uh, has and will answer itself, is if you think about P2 and the fact that, yes, there are some bigger teams at United Auto Sports, as we mentioned on the All Zach Brown episode here, that will readily traverse. Uh, the Atlantic Ocean, come over here and play and whatnot while also doing WEC, ELMS, and so on. And they're not the only ones, just saying that, you know, they've been a fairly steady example of a a P2 team to play in uh, multiple championships. I don't know if I see that really being the case with most others. I know if we're talking Graham's key point budget, uh, is there one IMSA LMP2 team that could afford to go and do some WEC rounds because their uh, customers happen to be very wealthy and want to do such a thing? Yes, of course. That's also not something that's brand new. It's rare, though, when we see IMSA Team X shipping their Areca or Lige or whatever it's been over to Spa or Fuji or wherever to, uh, to participate there. It's usually uh, hiring a European team to, uh, to facil- facilitate an extra car. But that's about all I can see on this. I don't foresee the budget to magically appear for today's P2 teams, the next generation P2 teams when we go through uh, new models coming out, whatnot. Just don't see the budget magically appearing for uh, at least the IMSA side, folks flying over and doing a bunch of uh, one-offs at a variety of WEC rounds because we haven't seen it now. And I don't know if I would expect a lot of WEC teams, LMS teams, or otherwise, to do more than as you mentioned, the cherry picking the big ones, uh, the, where it's easiest to drum up business, get folks to pay to be part of a, uh, you know, four driver rotation at Daytona or a three driver rotation at Sebring or maybe Petit Le Mans. So, bottom line, I don't foresee anything changing whatsoever when it comes to the uh, the pro am or more privateer side of prototype racing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the LMDH side of things and the, the hypercar side of things. What's been encouraging, MP, is the level of positivity from the likes of Toyota towards that opportunity. And I, I do think we've got some heady days ahead at the Blue Ribbon events. Um, certainly uh, Daytona, I think the the international significance has been higher since we got back to that uh, what was then the Tuesday United Sports Car Championship, and I think it's going to get higher still. Uh, when you get to the likes of, well, certainly I can see Toyota and the likes of Ferrari in 23 decided to come and bring their cars. Um, you know, just what we see from those brands that have got representation in both at the really big races like the Rolex 24 and the Le Mans 24 hours, I think remains to be seen. But I think it's going to be a very interesting period indeed. What you got next for me?
0: Oh, I've oh, I've got, I can't even wait to read what I have for you next <laughs> as soon as I scroll down and find it. Uh, let's see. <laughs> hey, our pal Brian Cohn. By the way, condolences yet again, Brian, uh, who lost his uh, his mother recently, who, while, you know, f- folks on the show would not have a real reason to have known her, she was a, a bit of a, a Midwestern U.S. legend who took care of so many racers in and around the St. Louis area, more the amateur side, but she also did a lot of you know, support uh, back in the day with some of the pro racing series and what whatnot. Just someone hailed as a really a, not only amazing woman, but uh, was always there to help uh, young and, and emerging racers however she could, even if it was just a meal or an encouraging word. So condolences again, Brian, uh, for you and your family. Uh, he says hello to Rocky, Rosie, and Oscar. He says you two can go to heck. But he says, uh, <laughs> Marshall, give your wife bro my best. Uh, Her fight is our fight. Asking about James G. Lickenhaus, I think. No, sorry, got that wrong slightly. Um, He says, do you think Lickenhaus missed its best opportunity to podium at Le Mans, given the competition's only going to get tougher as we move forward? More manufacturers arrive in hypercar. LMDH comes online here uh, not too far from now. Also says, lastly, how long do you think Lickenhaus lasts? in the WC if they're consistently quote best of the rest
1: um, interesting timing I actually had uh, about an hour on the phone to Jim earlier today and uh, there'll be a story in the next couple of days on Daily Sports Car now that covers off uh, but for the for that matter a version of that story for Racer 2 um, it, it covers off a number of things it covers off I think a bit of can we call it misinterpretation of comments he's made about BOP. Um, in how um, could put this? It, it's not a a specialist motorsports online magazine, not really a specialist uh, very much uh, magazine, but uh, in which he was quoted. He says completely incorrectly, saying that he wanted the tow to slow down. It's not what he wants. What he wants is to be allowed to speed up. Um, and this was all around the uh, the issue that emerged at Le Mans, where. The Titus were simply faster, a lot faster than their competition, and that, by the way, included the Alpine. He said, uh, from his perspective, the Alpine and the Glickenhaus were pretty well matched. He, said he had a little bit of uh, bad luck with the full course yellow. He said that's the way these things go, but otherwise, he thinks they would have been potentially on for a podium. Um, did have things he wanted to talk to me about and tell me about in terms of plans for next season. So. The, the good news that is emerging here is there is an active plan for a 2022 campaign with the, click and the gorgeous SCG007 uh, uh, hypercars. The, uh, the scale of that plan, I think it's fair to say, depends on the commercial backing coming forward. And Jim's point, and you would expect it to make it, is the fairer the BOP emerges, the more chance he's got of getting that commercial backing and hence the more chance of a more convincing uh, programme for Glickenhaus uh, next season. Uh, we don't yet know exactly how extensive the uh, hypercar grid is going to be next season two has confirmed we don't know what's going to happen with alpine there might well be questions later about uh, a single source interview that uh hits about alpine and the ceo there effectively counting out a hypercar class entry um lots have been said on the on the internet about that neither do we yet know when the new peugeot 9x8 will debut and again interviews that have been uh, out about that program i think have been pretty widely misinterpreted as suggesting they may miss just the one race that May maybe the case but they've not confirmed that either yet so right now uh the scuderia clout cameron glickenhaus uh, project is a very valuable one indeed i would suggest for the fiwc in what will be its final transitional year for uh the hypercar class before lmdh comes on stream and for that matter the ferrari lmh comes on stream in 2023 so um jim in fine form by the way uh, and happy to talk about a range of other things including the progress for their gt car the 004c this is the car that's been racing at the nurberg ring and that program too i'm told will continue can we talk um, about
0: the uh, the secret 005 glickenhaus nascar uh, machine he's building or is that still there's still- there's
1: all we, we we talked a lot about hydrogen i have to tell you now there won't be a lot in that interview about hydrogen but interesting thoughts thoughts from from jim there if jim is a unique character in motorsports and that's something by the way we should be sad about why because mp from the very start of doing the weekend sports cars one of the regular themes has been the lack of the of those people with the resource and the vision to step up and do something ground up, and the lack of a rule set that allows it to. And in that regard, right now, he's absolutely unique. That won't remain the case moving forward, I'm sure of that, in terms of what you know, I know, um, in terms of what is going to be coming down the pipeline. Uh, but the reality here is, I think it should be valued. Is he as valuable, literally? to the aco as a tote or a ferrari or insert name of massive blue chip company no of course he's not but in terms of the other thing that gets people involved and interested in the sport as an outlier as a challenger brand he absolutely is invaluable right now and i believe he is getting the a degree of the respect that is due for an operation that produced a quite extraordinary results at the Le Mans. Lest we forget, this is a ground-up machine from an entirely privately run company that finished fourth and fifth overall, spent less time in the pits than any of the three cars ahead of them, uh, did not have any serious issues whatsoever with either of those two cars, despite an awful lot of internet Chatter that uh, they'd be lucky to finish the first hour, two hours. Insert name of, you know, insert uh, insert kind of unfortunate prediction that didn't come right, and that's the point I think he was he was making and making quite subtly, which I'll be honest with you is not Jim's natural setting subtlety, which is (sighs) with a team that did that and spent less time in the pits than the three cars that finished ahead. How come they were so far behind? It wasn't just uh, a conservative pace. We had two Toyotas, neither of which ran cleanly, which, frankly, had they run cleanly, would probably have made a mockery of a balanced performance class. Um, And I think he has a point here that that probably needs to be addressed if we're going to have any kind of equity uh, moving into 2022. And that's before we find out what uh, the situation is with Signatech and Alpine. Um, one for you next. No,
0: really? Yeah. We're do that? All
1: right. Right. Let's, uh, let's try this one from Trevor Gogola. It's a fun one. We don't often get to the fun ones, Thanks, one. Thanks is- Trevor.
0: You always send in such yeah. sad things for a change. You send- <laughs> is that what you're saying, Graham?
1: Uh, no, no it's fine. Thankfully, uh, we love you, Trevor it's, uh, Trevor says with the silly season in formula one going on right now, what is your dream current F one driver lineup on an insurance, uh, insurance, insurance, endurance team? what car, what class, what team to race for. A three or four driver lineup must include two Formula One current or next year drivers.
0: Thanks, Trevor. Now you're making yeah. me think. Come on, man. You know that's not my strong suit. Uh, I mean, there's the obvious stuff of, yeah, of course we'd love to see Lewis at Le or wherever else. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to go with who I think would be super happy and fired up to do endurance racing. Of course, we're talking formula one. We're not going to be placing them into a G-T-E-M, uh T V R or, uh, or whatever. <laughs> There's no Morgan plus eights coming for, uh, for these folks. So we'd obviously go for the fastest uh, top class. I would want to see
1: <sighs>
0: Lando Norris. Lando, yep. yeah, that kid—he's all kinds of awesome. Plus, I think he just brings so much fun uh, to what is happening there. Uh, he'd bring a and has
1: Race the Daytona, remember?
0: Yep, he'd bring a big social media presence, following everything. Yep, he'd be live streaming, twitching himself uh, in every session. Um, I think Nikita Mazapin for sure because you know you need you <laughs> that need was, cautions that against the
1: social media. Yes, yep, you absolutely. need cautions and
0: yellow flags. Um <sighs> hopefully there'd be no complaints of groping from his teammates while helping during driver changes. So we'll uh, we'll put that shift. out there yep. as well. Um let's see who else. George Russell. Uh, yes. lo- so I've chosen two Brits already, but George just that kid is balls of fire he is he is exciting in indycar parlance he is a british pato award just going forward doing bigger things than you you would expect from uh either the equipment or the opportunity and so now obviously he's headed to the best team pato's leading the indycar championship in a great team but just saying they remind me they're very much the same person big smiles a lot of personality but they are just charging like mad that would be fun to watch uh, Lance Stroll, just because, you know, you need a lot of personality. Sorry, a little bit of humor there here. Um, I, lo- I do enjoy Fernando Alonso, but he bores me a bit at this stage of his career. Uh, I know it's kind of a meaningless thing to say, but what it just
1: feels... What about someone hungry with a bit more experience like Danny Ricciardo?
0: Yeah, Ricardo would be fun, but, man, I'd feel bad if he wasn't the fastest driver in the team because he's kind of getting his ass handed to him this year by lando so then trying a different form of racing and having lando in the same car and being slower than him there as well that might be yeah so i don't know if i'm gonna go there um mick schumacher i think that would be fun just uh you know the the kid seems to be fairly special there's so much lineage behind him as well Uh, i think that would be pretty cool so that's three serious serious ones russell uh Schumacher and Lando, and then we need to come up with an outlier. Hey, you know, we'll actually do uh I guess we'll do the World War II uh lineup here. Uh I'll go with Vettel. So we'll have two Germans Ooh. and two Englishmen. <laughs> um uh, uh Britain Uber Alice. Is that what we call this team? Team Britain Uber Alice. No. Uh I think Vettel. There there's a There's a DGAF element, don't give a bleep, element to Vettel in this past season or this season that I'm really enjoying. It's been a while since uh, he was loose and just kind of going with the flow and F it, um, you know, whatever. I I like that And Hasn't it made
1: him much more fun? Hasn't it made him much more fun? Hasn't that been a real boost to the sport? And to him, I think, his performances are
0: better. 100%. So, yeah, I... uh, I like where this is going. So, yeah, uh, as for which car, I don't know. I mean, it's not like we have a lot of options in the top category. You could chuck them into a Alpine slash Rebellion slash whatever. Um, you they, got Toyotas, Glickenhouses. By- yeah.
1: Do you see IMS's million-dollar pay-to-play requirements as a potential obstacle for privateer LMDH, or is that covered as long as there a GTD cars?
0: That's a great question, Brandon. Uh, there would be no privateer LMDHs without the manufacturer first agreeing to be in the series. So for a privateer to get their hands on an LMDH, the manufacturer of that LMDH would indeed have to execute a uh, that million-dollar marketing obligation with the series. So if the question is, would a privateer be the first and only type of entrant to feel an lmdh in imsa as i've described and as Rockies jumped up behind me and is clawing up the chair um if say what i described in the story about audi not expected to field factory cars in the series but to support customers uh where indeed the only audis we would see would be non-factory cars yes indeed the factory would still need to pony up that uh, million-dollar agreement uh, or commit to spending up to a million dollars on whatever marketing areas IMSA felt was necessary. That would indeed have to happen before any privateers could play with an LMDH if that LMDH manufacturer wasn't there as a full factory uh, campaigner of prototypes. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, H- D- D- D. Sh- I'm going to ask you to redo the rent yet again, just to be doubly safe that we got it. And this one isn't cut out. Uh, why don't we go, ah, no, no, no. Yeah. <sighs> you know, this is an interesting one. And it's Ed Joris asking about, you know, how low do the ratings need to be, uh, with IMSA before it's a problem. They've been low for quite a while, Ed. So that's nothing new, but what prompted me to want to share that Graham was I have no idea how WEC ratings, for example, when you and uh, mm-hmm. our, our pocket-sized Scott and our oversized Brit in uh, Martin Haven or whomever <laughs> else are talking about uh, WEC uh, during motor races there, but w- what are some insights you might share about ratings and success and whatnot with uh, the WC and how that fits into overall value uh, equation for the series and its teams and whatnot because we know here it's always spoken about and it's always a thing I just have never really known if it's similar high grade of importance uh, for WAC
1: I think the, the answer is yes it is and it's a high grade of importance for every major international series I guess the series I've probably had more dealings with those numbers um, of that family is the Asia Le series which has pretty good comparative uh, TV numbers, and that's principally because uh, it has um, free-to-view, well-produced shows. Uh, I think the ELMS, since we've been doing that one free-to-view on YouTube, again, has been attracting bigger numbers, I believe, something like 50% more this year than last. Um, With WEC, There is, of course, a slightly different picture in that uh, we don't have free-to-view video streaming. There's a deal with uh, Eurosport. There are other platforms that carry that, and we've got the um, Paywall Protected app, Uh, but there is now a free live uh, audio stream of that, and that will be in place as well for the two races at um, Bahrain later this year, so you can listen in to what the crazy gang that I'm a part of will be producing from uh, from the kingdom for those two races. Uh, I think it's becoming increasingly important, and I think it's going to become very much more important once we've got those big-name factories on board in the lead class. And I think that's a point at which I expect that both LMEM, ACO, WEC – uh, and for that matter, the Weather WeatherTech Sports Car Championship are going to be taking a look before then to look at the the whole family of what they've got on offer, not just in terms of audio and video streaming, not just in terms of just what they're doing in terms of their, uh, their overall media reach. And for that matter, their social media reach, because there's a very mixed bag in terms of the quality of some of that uh, across the board for our sport as well. It's time for them to get very serious about this, get it right. And I have zero doubt that sports car racing, and by that at the top end, I mean WEC and IMSA combined, can and for that matter should be the second most prevalent and popular four-wheeled motorsport on the planet, um, following on from... Uh, from Formula One. And for those of you that go banging on about NASCAR, et cetera, et cetera, the answer there is NASCAR's reach outside of North America is very limited indeed. Get it right, get it right on a global level. And I think you could see massive increase in reach and interest for uh, for, for, uh, for the sports car community. Um, that just needs to be managed rather better and rather more coherent than probably – the rather disparate group that are behind it has managed so far. WC, I think, have made a very good start on that journey. There's a new overarching head of communications at LMEM who I think has been making some very correct noises in terms of where the priorities should lie, about pooling resources, at looking who's doing best in what area, and learning from those experiences. And uh, I hope we're going to start to see some more sensible decisions across the board uh, being made. Uh, on both sides of the pond and for that matter in the way in which they collaborate uh, in some of the key areas to get the best product in front of the biggest audiences i think we've got to get away from the point where certain series see themselves as being in competition with each other on a week by week basis and i think we've got to understand that with so much (sighs) parity of brand across the two that actually spreading the reach of both can only be a good thing for both. Um, it's, you know, if one of these series, relatively speaking, fails, that's bad for both of them. And the same is true if you actually start to get the successes coming from a, from a bigger reach. Look, for instance, at what's happened with Formula One with the prevalence of the Netflix series. It's not all been good but boy there has been a massive hike in terms of the the reach of communications social media activity etc some of it frankly is bloody awful um, there's an awful lot more kind of fan based uh analysis if you like uh, evidenced by the Lewis show and the Max show and never the train shall meet but actually if you can if you can get to the point where what you're getting is a much bigger audience and at least a proportion of that is an audience of a high quality in terms of its interaction with the sport, with those brands, that can only be a good thing about its sustainability. Worth saying, by the way, that this is one theme that came up more than once in the conversation with Jim Glickenhouse. and it's one worth considering at this point. One of the major threats at the moment to our sport, make no mistake about it, is global politics and is the the, the agenda around much of global politics, which is there are a lot of people right now that are looking at the sport that we all adore, but we all do because we're we're either partaking in or listening to this podcast. It's under attack right now in a million and one different ways. And we need to be smarter about the way that we communicate what it is that we're doing, what we're trying to do. Um, We need to be smarter about the way that we defend our rights to do those things in as responsible a way as is possible to do and collaboration and cooperation on that front is going to be more important. If the sport that you will love is going to survive in the way that you'd like it to do. That's, that's as much as I've got to say about that one MP. Let's have a look for one for your good self. Uh, Rob Chalmers says it's a blunt one and I'm going to chuck it your way simply because despite the fact that the subject of this question MP is Uh, One of my countrymen, Uh, he, for the most part, earns his trade on your side of the pond. And uh, Rob says, how the ever-loving chuff is tinkled out of a drive. I know I'm not a team manager, uh, but there are plenty of drivers in DPI that I boot to get tinkers in a seat.
0: Yeah. Trying to think what I can tell you, because there are things that I know that I can't say. Um, Yeah. He's had offers to go to other, I shouldn't say other teams. I know of one other team that has expressed great interest in having him next year. Wouldn't really work out, unfortunately, so that hasn't uh, come to pass. would say the, the overarching thing just to consider here, Rob, is Harry's relationship with Multimatic, knowing that While he is a factory Mazda driver, Uh, he's, what, I believe, a uh, Multimatic employee, straight up. I believe uh, so, yeah. he's, He's Multimatic's first and foremost. Things just get a little bit complicated in that, obviously, Multimatic will be building Audis, Porsches, and we expect Lamborghinis as well for the Volkswagen group. He does have a past relationship with Audi. His manager that we pocket-sized, Scott, we mentioned by the name of Alan McNish, uh, that's his manager, who is also the team principal on the Audi side. I think there's just a lot of assumptions, as he mentioned in our interview, that, well, so clearly you're going to be driving for the four rings. It's not the case. I'm not saying it couldn't be the case. not saying that they couldn't extend an offer, but there's not a... Well, Alan's the guy running it. He's your manager. You have past relationship. Boom, you're in. Not at all. Do I think he'd love to get a, a call from Porsche, for example, saying, Hi, you're good. <laughs> could you come be good for us? Or run down the list of some other manufacturers that will be involved in LMDH. I don't honestly know if there are any doors to be opened in Hypercar. There could, but I just don't know about them for him. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a weird thing where he has a direct relationship and employment with the company making and developing the cars for the Volkswagen Group. We'll have to see if one of the brands within the Volkswagen Group says, you're our guy, or if someone else, another manufacturer says, well, let's think about you. I would have to pose the same question as well why is this guy not just sitting on a bed lined with contract offer after contract offer and it's just him getting to play coy and see who will up the ante to make sure they uh, get to retain his services? Um, I can't fully explain that, but I'd also say that since I'm unaware of the hypercar side, Graham, really being a thing for him, I do Mm -hmm. believe... There might be something to LMDH is still a ways away. there's still plenty of announcements to happen, either manufacturer or team-wide or team side, I should say, feels like, yeah, it's crazy that he hasn't been snapped up already, but I also think there's a little bit of a eh, you know we're not in a crazy rush, uh, so something will likely happen. Also posted a story yesterday with him about uh, his interest in IndyCar. And obviously folks who listen to this know that I also cover IndyCar, host an IndyCar show, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this wasn't me just asking him out of the the blue uh, as an IndyCar guy, if he would have an interest in IndyCar. I'd heard that these were discussions already held uh, between him and our pocket sized Scott of, you know, we're not sure what you're going to be doing next year. Wonder if IndyCar could be a place because you might be a perfect fit for someone if anyone knows you're interested or should be considered so that's the reason i asked the question and he gave me the quotes basically saying yeah i'd love to be there so we we should also throw oliver jarvis into this uh, from the mazda mm-hmm. side i mean these are two people who should be overly subscribed right now we'd say with harry he's obviously got uh, elms work to do as well so not like he's totally out of uh employment just saying that yeah This guy should be, I would think, among the most coveted. So maybe, and I'd never use these, but I'm going to borrow one from you. Hashtag, let's wait and see.
1: Uh, There is that. Uh, I think, you know, there are a lot of people out there at the moment working very hard uh, to put themselves on a lot of different lists. And I'd say this about uh, Mr. HT, which is. Just trying to think, over the last week or so, I've had three or four conversations with significant players in the marketplace, either with IMSA uh, top-class teams or with uh, future WC top-class teams. And I can tell you that in the majority, if not all of those conversations, his is a name that has been brought up from their side of the conversation. He's very much, I think, on people's radar Uh, I don't doubt that he will end up with a very good drive indeed. Um, But, you know, I'm sure that at this point in, you know, what's a kind of quite confused uh, marketplace, it can't be easy for any of these guys to be sitting there waiting for um, the the part on the to do list that says choose drivers uh, to get there sooner rather than later. And, you know, it may very well be that what you've got for a number of those is a very tight development crew, indeed, uh, only moving to a kind of development to race and test, um, test and race, rather, uh, some way further down the line. Uh, And in part, that's going to be because, for the most part, you're going to see one test car for some of these teams uh, in the first instance. There might well be some sim testing kind of kicking around, but... There's going to be a wait for some big names before we know exactly where they're going to slot into what is, you know, a really exciting picture. But as you said, MP, we're some way away before these cars race, a little closer to the point where they'll be testing. Um, and there will be, I'm sure, more than a trickle as we get towards the end of this year and into next year of names. Emerging more solidly and more in focus in the frames that are going to be available.
0: Graham, we're going to uh, we keep either referring to Zach Brown or pocket-sized Scots. Uh, why don't we just <laughs> uh, round things off with making a pocket-sized episode—one that, if we're not careful, might actually come in at under one hour. Um, <gasps> no. I know. Hey, look, look, we're doing new things today. We're playing around. We're having fun. So why don't we go with our pal Baxter? Andrew okay. Backa, do you want to read that one to me? I will. Yeah,
1: it's directed, directed at you, uh, MP. It says, uh, says Baxter, please make fun of Juan Pablo Monteria. He says here for claiming LMP2 Pro Am win for Dragon Speed makes him a triple crown winner, especially since he says he never cared about it. Also, should we get Mario Andretti, who finished second overall, best of the WSC class, to break his bubble?
0: Oh, our man Monteria, that guy is such a mess. So. I'll get to this in just a second, uh, Andrew. So, while doing a little bit of cleaning up in the office over this past weekend, came across a little 143rd scale model that I have. I bought, I'm guessing, back then. I don't know. Uh, some point in time. Uh, Williams F1, BMW, FW23, JP Montoya, first GP win, Monza, September 16th, 2001. I'm like, oh. Well, hey, wow, Monza's this weekend. Uh, It's almost September 16th. We're at the 20-year anniversary of uh, Monterio's first F1 win. That would make for an interesting podcast, uh, article, or both maybe to do. So called him, I think Monday maybe, and uh, didn't answer. Sent me a text saying, hey, uh dinner uh let me know what's going on and i texted him and said okay cool no huge rush can talk tomorrow um uh let's do a story about this 20th anniversary and he's like yeah great cool whatever that's what he responded with so then i call him tuesday and nothing call him wednesday (laughs) nothing <laughs> called him today nothing i i'll never understand the guy i y'all know that i love him but there's this weird thing of like i love you you're great we're cool and all that and we do great stuff and then there're times where i almost feel like a jilted uh, obsessed ex who's just calling and calling and calling because i need i need you to i need you to hear my voice and understand like okay it's not like that but still it's like dude why do you why do you make me call you four or five times or why do you say yeah cool let's do it and then know why i'm calling and not pick up the phone for three or four damn days so here we are uh, i have no reason to believe that calling him tomorrow will make any difference in his willingness to pick up the phone and talk about the thing he said he'd talk about. So um, these are the joys of Juan Pablo Montoya. It's nothing new. Uh, He's been this way for a really long time. But, uh, yeah, anyways, so just a little funny thing there. Uh, Yeah, if JPM believes he is a member of the Triple Crown winning uh, group, that would be inaccurate. And it's silly, silly to suggest as such because no one else would suggest that it's a fairly clear thing uh of what it means I, to be a member indy 500 monaco gp 24 hours of le mans i first think, place finishers in all there's no yeah, subclass at indy no, no there's no subclass in formula one while there are subclasses in endurance racing those who have managed to the few who've Become triple crown winners, or overall winners at Lamar. End of conversation.
1: I, I sort of feel that that reported comment from him was directed at an audience of one, and I think that audience of one was Fernando Alonso. I think he's trolling. I really do. I think that 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 sort of suits the. The sense of humor. I don't believe he's seriously considering that. That's the way it's going to be considered. I really, really don't.
0: All right. Um, I'm gonna throw one at you. Okay. And maybe the one after that. I'll throw one at you from Daniel Somersgill. Maybe okay. you can take the one out. Or actually, we've. Oh, I take that back. I made a mistake by saying the one from Daniel Summerskill. I'm gonna throw the sum from Daniel Summers, Bill (laughs) at you. And then maybe, uh, if we want to close on Hrisha Deshpons, we can, uh, Daniel opens by saying, do you know why GT world challenge? Europe has dropped the Nürburgring round and replaced it with Hockenheim. Endurance info reports that teams had concerns about returning to the ring, but the reason seems lost in translation.
1: Uh, (coughs) I don't know. It's the other answer. I wasn't there. haven't been able to ask them. um, think it's in terms of the quality of the circuit a big mistake hockenheim which used to be absolutely awesome now a little bit of a cart track if you ask me but um i don't know daniel is the honest answer uh, but it will come up i'm sure as part of a uh, long list of questions i need to ask people at sro when i get that opportunity uh, so with apologies and that's the one change we've seen for gt world challenge europe next season Um, I'm not aware at the moment of the reasoning behind it.
0: You know, I'm going to insert one just for fun before we come back to Daniel. Right Turn Lover asks, which question on sports car racing is most easily answered? And I would say the answer is certainly not that question. I have no idea what you're talking about, our our, our dear (laughs) RTL friend, but that's not uncommon. Uh, Let's go back to Daniel. Any news on who is likely to be entered in the new GTD Pro class in IMSA next year? Yes. Getting towards the end of the season and nothing confirmed yet. Seems to be getting rather late considering the new season starts in January. Yes, Daniel, for those who just heard uh, the phone beeping, um, yeah, I'm asking questions and trying to get some deeper answers on that. And, uh, yeah, I may even have a story to file tomorrow that could shed a little bit of light uh, on one uh, entry for sure. So, uh, yes, hard, I can tell you, to get folks either manufacturer level or privateers with, you know, factory affiliated programs coming to say that on the record publicly confirmed right now doesn't mean mm-hmm. though that they aren't going to happen just means for whatever reason there's some folks not quite ready to say yep it's us we're in we're doing it but right now my minimum car count is 8 so mm-hmm. that makes me pretty happy uh let's see uh, Daniel Summerskill also writes in saying, what are the chances of there being an Aston Martin entered in GTE pro next season? TF sport seems to be interested in running a car, uh, for at least part of the season. What assistance would a privateer knee team need Graham for the manufacturer in order to step up? If any,
1: uh, well, TF continue to be a fantastic, uh, example to other teams. So just drumming up really good quality, uh, 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 customers from all over the place. I expect we're going to see them running multiple cars in multiple series again, both in GT and I suspect we're going to see multiple LMP cars from TF Sport next year. Have spoken multiple times to Tom Ferrier. He remains interested, very engaged in the prospect of running a GT pro car uh, for at least, as you quite rightly say, part season in what will be the final season for that category. Uh, Has it yet been signed? It most certainly has not. Um, What do they need from uh, Aston Martin, or indeed in this case, Aston Martin Racing, uh, otherwise known as ProDrive? Uh, Not a lot other than um, the part supply that is required for a customer team. Uh, TS Sport, very, very able indeed, very able to run that program themselves. What they need is someone to pay for it. Uh, that's it, they have the cars, they have the personnel, they have the logistics they are well versed uh, by now in competing in and indeed winning in the FI World Endurance Championship uh, in a GTE class the only thing they need is a different colour sticker um, with a different colour background and a different colour light in the side of the car and they are good to go Uh, hope they do it it's a straight answer, it would be nice to see uh GTE Pro, um, finishing with more than just the four cars, wouldn't it? It would. You see not, Why don't see you throw Frischi's
0: so, question my way, and maybe we'll uh, close the show there, because maybe that'll be so, entertaining.
1: Uh, so I missed that one. Which one?
0: Frischi He. Uh, let's see, at least... Oh, in, got
1: it. Okay. Uh, is this the one about the Audi? Yes. Following up on last week's questions about Audi, of which there were multiple... Um, do you know why Audi USA allegedly wasn't willing to contribute dollars towards an IMSA program? Different marketing uh, priorities between uh, Audi USA and Audi AG, where the U.S. group doesn't see the value in a factory team? That one. That one.
0: Uh, I can't tell you because I haven't been in on those meetings, Rishi, but I can tell you that, as I mentioned last week, but maybe I'll do this in, in compact Scott form without the accent. Uh have you ever had someone who owes you money and they just aren't really motivated to pay you back? Or if they do a lot of fighting involved to get that money or it takes a really long time before it happens. I'm not saying that's the case here, but I'm saying all I've heard for a decade plus falls into the general vein of, yeah, we'll do something and we'll be involved as long as it doesn't cost us very much. We're not really a racing manufacturer. Realize that they're American offshoot of a high level racing manufacturer, but just as their arm, a North American offshoot, it's not really part of the culture. That's all I've ever heard. And so it's been a constant fight to get that American arm. And this is to my great disappointment. And I'm talking, you know, this century not talking about in the 80s, for example, with the Trans Am and IMSA GTO program, but just saying, at least here, reputationally, the thing I've only heard for a really long time is, yeah, you know, race is cool. (laughs) It's fun to go to Le Mans each year, sure, but, you know, uh, really going all the way in, spending a lot of money and doing a big, busy, active, lots of work, lots of effort, lots of money, North American campaign, Eh, it's just not really us, so that's I feel, what all I feel, that's all I've heard, and so I think if you take that,
1: yeah,
0: yep, I think if you just take you. that, though, that, that that we might have the truth somewhere in there.
1: Yeah, I, I'll add this, which is uh, we've we've seen that change in the UK as well, from you know a national importer representative of the brand that was so heavily engaged. Remember, you know, operating cars at the Le Mans twenty four Hours and in. Um, the Le Mans series under the Audi UK brand, um, that there's just been a massive step away from that. And that, in part, that's because some of the key personnel that were involved in that have moved on in life. Very many of them retired from uh, the industry. And, you know, sometimes people coming into somewhere where there's been an established pattern just want to do things differently. We saw things like, for instance... Sponsorship of motorsport from out of UK disappear and sponsorship into high-level football um, appear. And that's very, very expensive. And it would seem to be that they felt they were going to get better return on their marketing pound uh, by doing that rather than uh, getting involved in labelling uh, national, international motorsport activities and, you know, as someone involved in motorsport you'd expect that I would uh, believe that that's to, to be an incorrect choice, but I guess they've got access to better marketing figures than I do uh, sad, but true. Uh, are we get about ready to wrap up? Maybe yes, and more. I
0: would say welcome to some new sounds to the What's show. That? That's in the background I don't know if you can hear it faintly, it's the uh, the printer going off, apparently my Ooh. wife is printing stuff uh, so yes, is that,
1: get, is that get off the phone? Is that what it's saying on the printer?
0: I haven't turned around to look, but I have a feeling <laughs> it. There is some form of "shut up, you morons! Nobody cares."
1: <laughs> ah. Oh dear, dear me! Uh, let me finish with one more. Uh, It comes from Stuart Hart. He says, without naming names, are you aware of WEC teams looking to run BMW and Acura, Honda, LMDH chassis in the WEC, be it with factory support or as a customer? Uh, No names, no pack drill. The answer is yes to at least one of those two. Um, Stuart, can't give you any more than that. Would confirm, by the way, as you'll have seen on Race and Daily Sports Car, uh, this week that uh, BMW have now confirmed officially and indeed signed the contract with Delara as their chassis partner for the IMSA programme. And interestingly, nothing other than the two car programme for IMSA was referenced anywhere in that announcement. So another one with hashtag wait and see as to what might emerge from that programme there. For now, though, in what I hope we've just grazed into the hour, have we, MP?
0: Oh, uh, we're past an hour. Yeah, we, we've oh, lost uh, we've lost any shot of that. So uh, take us uh, home.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, as the dog has woken up, gone onto his couch where he sleeps, he's looking at me as if to say, lights out time, Dad. Uh, it's time to say goodnight from him, Marshall Pruitt, from me, Graham Goodwin. This has been the weekend Sports Cars podcast, part of the Marshall uh, Pruitt's range of goodies online uh, with thanks once again to Cooper Tyres, to the justice brothers and torontomotorsport.com we will see you next week